Hey, y'all, Scott here. So, listen, I'm sorry I haven't um, been sending out shows on this feed very much, but anyway, here's one for you. If you hear this later and you want to sign up, it's the full show feed at scotthorton.org, the old full show feed as opposed to the interview feed. But anyway, um, I took some notes. I was considering recording one of these about the Trump speech today. That's the 27th of April, 2016. Um, and a guy on Twitter said, oh, yeah, I sure would like to hear that. So, okay, well, here you go. So here's basically my notes on Trump's speech and what I think of it. Uh, well, he was introduced by Zalmay Khalilzad, uh, one of the original second-generation neoconservatives, a student of Strauss and contemporary of Pearl and uh, Wolfowitz and the Scoop Jackson gang from the University of Chicago and uh, the senator from Boeing's office. He's also the guy who was the principal author of the strategic uh, defense planning guidance, it's called, of 1992, which he actually just wrote about. And, of course, he's, you know, denying, 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 but it's still an insightful article if you read uh, Zalman Khalilzad's article at the National Interest about um, that defense planning guidance. But this is the one that caused a major scandal because it says, as Trump said today, we will maintain complete military dominance over the planet. We will, in other words, as they said in the defense planning guidance back then, it was also written, it was basically under uh, Paul Wolfowitz and, uh, of course, Dick Cheney in the Defense Department and Scooter Libby helped Khalil Zod write it as well. Uh, but anyway, so that's what they said. We will maintain permanent military dominance over the planet. We will not tolerate the rise of any near-peer competitor any nation or combination of nations, any regional alliance that would even begin to imagine that they could compete with us militarily. And we will just make sure that no one ever tries it because we'll be that far out ahead in our military domination of the planet. And so uh, what a great start to the speech to be introduced by Khalil Zad. And, of course, he's the guy who promoted the turn toward the Sunnis that they ended up doing in 2007 back in 2005 in Iraq, but as ambassador helped to drive that country into the ground, uh, helped go along with the El Salvador option and everything that basically, despite his best wishes, I guess, he did it anyway, helped fight that war for the Iranians at that point. And he also, as uh, Peter Van Buren uh, tweeted to me today, helped to drive Afghanistan into the ground when he was ambassador there as well. And so, uh, important point there. But anyway, so Donald Trump, first of all, I'll go through some points in a minute. But overall, what he did was he projected, he projected strength. He, he said, we're going to have, you know, a big military buildup. We're going to rebuild the army, rebuild the Navy, make them all bigger, add a million men here, there. I don't know. That's not an exact quote, but. We're going to have a new generation of nuclear weapons, just as Barack Obama's already saying. All of that pro-military, you guys in the Pentagon will really like me kind of stuff. No problem there. Um, and he also, you know, came out for the terror war. Didn't talk about Afghanistan, but did talk about the larger terror war. Uh, he is, at least according to what he says now, 
which is worth about nothing. He is uh, at least a bit better on Russia and China than Hillary Clinton. And what's most important, I think, for us uh, is not what the guy believes or even what he says, uh, just, you know, by itself as an indicator of what he would do. Uh, what's important about what he says to me is what it means just politically speaking. That's that's all it means. I guess I kind of hope that if he really, you know, if it really crystallizes in his mind, he understands that really attacking Hillary Clinton from the left, so to speak, I mean, in a right-wing way, but attacking her on the war, as he did today, if he really understands that that's great politics and that's the best way to destroy her, then I hope it'll, you know, convince him to really continue along that line, drop more of the hawkish stuff and the pro-torture stuff and all of that, I don't think he mentioned torture in the speech today. Uh, if I spaced out a couple of times doing other things, but anyway. Um, but if he keeps attacking her as the warmonger, I think, first of all, it's the best way to beat her, and then I hope that he will, you know, come to believe his own shtick. And I, you know, you can tell that there is a bit of consistency here. On he wants to be, you know, big and tough, this and that, but he's not for, you know, complete and total adventurism all around the world. Um, he outright came out against the neoconservative doctrine of regime change. He didn't call it that, but he did take out, and even though he supported the Iraq war and he demanded the Libya war, and uh, even in the same speech, he contradicted himself on Syria and said we should be there protecting the Christians. I mean, what that means, that puts him in the same position as Hillary Clinton, calling for a safe zone which implies, I think, also a no-fly zone over Syria, an invasion of Syria, in order to protect the Christian population there. But he does say, not not taking any responsibility uh, for his positions at the time, but he does say shouldn't have invaded Iraq, shouldn't have invaded Libya in 2011. And then he was much more circumspect in his mentions of Syria, the way he approached it. But he did say, of course, we must reinvade Iraq now. Oh, I'm not going to tell them, a.k.a. you, how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, how many troops he's going to deploy, what the time limit on anything like that might be. Because, you know, forget little our Republican control of the executive branch of government. Uh, he's going to do what he wants to, to make it a surprise for the Islamic State. But anyway, so he has a secret plan to completely destroy the Islamic State, and he specifically said in Libya, too. He's going to reinvade Iraq, and he's going to reinvade Libya. The uh, last two wars, he said that we shouldn't have fought. But now we have to reinvade them in order to clean up from the mistakes from last time. Mm, yeah. So impressed by that. That basically makes him Ted Cruz. And so that makes him. Ted Cruz was actually good on Libya in the Senate, believe it or not, when Donald Trump was demanding it back in 2011. Uh, but now taking the Ted Cruz line that no more regime change, but still fight the terror war all over the Middle East forever, at least against uh, the Bin Ladenite types, is still bad enough, obviously. And you see how it's a 
door wide open for full-scale reinvasion and occupation. Knock the hell out of ISIS means invade Fallujah and Mosul and Raqqa. Uh, at least I certainly take it that way. Um, but so, you know, anyway, yeah, that, that makes him, you know, worse than Rand Paul, who is horrible, who refused to take a principled stand on any of this stuff. Um, again, he was good on Libya back when it happened and against arming the jihadists in Syria, but he wasn't willing to fight about as a presidential candidate, not by a long shot. But anyway, so Trump is, you know, eh, he's playing that. But so here's the most important part. It's the one and only slight, but I think very important attack on Hillary Clinton in his speech. He said he wasn't talking about Ted Cruz. Rubio's gone. Kasich doesn't have really any reputation to speak of. He was clearly uh, referring to Hillary Clinton. In fact, here, I have the link here so I can get the quote exactly right for you. Um, I do have the exact quote. Well, well, close enough. i got to wait for the browser window to load. Um, What he said was, unlike some people... Some presidential candidates, he, he uh, he's totally against the war in Iraq, and he's proud of that, he says, even though it's only not really true. Uh, and he's hit Clinton for author- voting to authorize force there, but that's not it. And this isn't it either. Trump says Obama and Clinton have blazed a path of destruction with their feckless foreign policy, which mostly makes it, you know, standard Republican talking point uh, going after him for being weak. And not respected enough. And, um, you know, when I draw a line in the sand, then I'll always live by it and all that kind of thing. Uh, which was really an attack on Obama for not attacking Assad in 2013. That's the way I read that. All right, so now I gotta do a word search on the damn page for this thing. If I could spell. All right, he said. Trump said about Hillary Clinton, unlike other candidates for the presidency, war and aggression will not be my first instinct. So he was saying, you know, yeah, we're going to be really tough. We're going to spend all this money, but I don't expect a bunch of adventurism for me. But I really hope, I mean, it's the most obvious thing in the world, isn't it? I really hope that that foretells, that is a uh, bit of a foreshadowing of the rest of his, uh, you know, campaign strategy in the general election. He actually told Morning Joe and Mika Brzezinski this morning, according to Twitter, that, um, in fact, no, there was an article, somebody linked to an article, uh, where he had said, yeah, I'm going to borrow, I think it was a Politico or something. I'm going to borrow a lot of lines from Bernie Sanders' speeches. He actually said some really good stuff about Hillary, and I'm just going to quote him all the time. And he's got a lot of great stuff for me to use against her. So that's going to be great in the general election. Hey, as her component, as as her uh, previous campaign opponent said about her all the time, she's on the take from the Wall Street bankers. Not me. I'm my own billionaire on my own take, not theirs, is his line. So anyway, um, 
All right, let me go through a little bit more of this. But anyway, that's the important part for me is I want uh, – I mean, I really hate Donald Trump. I think he'll be an absolutely horrible president. I think he might just go to war for uh, Israel, God knows where, uh, Syria and or even possibly Iran. But I think it's almost a sure thing that Hillary will. So he's absolutely horrible, but she's even worse. That's in no way to say anything good about him, right? That's like saying he's Obama, but she's George W. Bush. I really think that. I think that's a fair comparison. You know, Obama the Terrible is a pretty good analogy for what I would expect from a Donald Trump regime. And yet, you know, really what Robert Kagan and General Jack Keane want is much more likely to be what we would get from Hillary Clinton. What Benjamin Netanyahu wants. Well, I don't know, man. Trump's horrible on Israel, too. Horrible in Israel. That's part of this. Anyway, so let me go through a couple more notes if there's anything important in there. Um, yeah, he basically, again, he implies that when Obama claimed a red line, he should have followed through with it and bombed. Uh, but again, he did say that uh, all this spreading democracy is nonsense. He doesn't want to do it. And all they did was create vacuums of power that were ended up being filled by the Islamic State. So, And he's not just referring to Bush Jr. there. He's referring to support for the war, uh, the rebels in Syria, although very obliquely, uh, is that the right phrase? Um, hopefully we'll see more of that. That was just a pulled punch in order to save it for later rather than being afraid to really go after her on that, uh, Hillary and Obama on that. And he says, oh, no, we're way overextended. But he doesn't say because we have all these bases and we're just trying to dominate the planet is too much. He doesn't say that. Again, he's for that global military dominance. He says the problem, the reason that we're overextended is because the economy is weak. Not the economy is weak because the empire is overextended. Just we need a higher GDP and then that way we can afford the empire and it won't be a problem. Get it? Okay. Then he says, oh, no, the allies don't pay enough. Well, any Republican senator could have said that. Any Republican politician would say, and I'm going to make our other our allies pay more for the U.N. and NATO because we pay too much of the burden. Oh, yes, you're so fiscally conservative. I'm so impressed by such rhetoric. Yeah, right. Did he actually threaten? Well, he, he did threaten, but he didn't mean it. It was hollow. Or else, you know, they're just going to have to learn how to defend themselves, folks. But he didn't mean that. There's, he did not say, hey, listen, maybe we're going to have to do without the NATO alliance. You know, nothing like that. And he went on and on and on later in the speech about just what a good friend he's going to be to our allies, just how strong and just how dependable and just how firm his word is going to be and how firm they're going to take it as opposed to, you know, weak, wimp Obama. On and on and on about how much he loves our allies and how they ought to be reassured by what he's saying. All right. Um, uh, oh, and then he goes on. He says he will abide by the Iran deal. Well, he doesn't say that. He attacks the Iran deal as being the worst thing in the world. He implies that it's – well, he claimed – he lied and claimed that the uh, Iranians have already broken the deal, which is absolutely not the case. Uh, if anybody's broken it, it's the Americans have broken it in spirit um, by the way that they have implemented their so-called sanctions relief. Um, 
So that's just a damn lie. Then he goes, oh, the horrible, terrible way that the Irani, that the Iranians treated the American sailors. What? They're released in, what, 14 hours or 16 hours or something like that? There's pictures of them on Twitter drinking from juice boxes and eating apples. Uh, they weren't interrogated or anything, I don't think. They were treated perfectly fine. Um, and what were they doing on that Iranian owned, you know, island or headed towards it? Can you imagine if the Iranian Navy was messing around in islands on America's East Coast and nuked Tehran before we even engaged with their boat? But anyway, yeah, more American victimhood at the hands of the big bad Iranians. Um, and by the way, he said, oh yeah, no, Iran is so powerful in the region now. They're a major power in the region now. Why? Because of Obama. Because what did Obama do? Uh, oh, I don't know. He's weak or something. When of course the real answer is George W. Bush and Hillary Clinton handed the entire southeast of Iraq to Iran. Shiistan, all the land from Baghdad, including up through and all of Baghdad, because America fought the sectarian war against the Sunnis for the Shiites. And all the land down to Kuwait. And all the land east to Iran. That is Iranian-controlled sock puppet Iraqi Shiistan. Not because of Obama's weakness, but because of George Bush's strength. And yes, of course, uh, the west of the country belongs to Osama, dead and loving it, as Jeff Huber once said. All right. Um, and then he's horrible on Egypt, says, oh, no, he should have helped Mubarak to crush the rebellion in the Tahrir Square, which was millions of people, virtually the entire consensus of the entire population of Egypt. There's no denying it. That was not an Al Jazeera hoax. That is a fact. All the Muslim Brotherhood, but all the American-loved and backed so-called liberal Democrat types, and everybody in between, all the regular schmucks of the country, sick and tired of the American-backed military sock puppet dictatorship of Hosni Mubarak. But instead of saying, look, I'm against overthrowing these dictators... But I'm against supporting them, too, because that helps generate support for terrorism. That's what got us into this mess in the first place. He pretended that the people of Egypt's overthrow, virtually unanimous consensus to overthrow Mubarak, was an Obama, another American regime change that shouldn't have been done and that it was Obama that put the Muslim Brotherhood in power there when in fact what they did was win elections which were then canceled by the military dictatorship which is of course backed by America and Saudi Arabia and Israel but this was all part of Donald Trump's uh, you know narrative he started spinning about how poor little disrespected Israel they only get three and a half 
billion dollars a year worth of weapons and cash money from the American taxpayers. They only have America backing Al-Qaeda for them in Syria for the last five years because they don't like that Assad is friends with Iran and Hezbollah in southern Lebanon. Um yeah, poor little them, that no matter who rules Egypt, America pays them also billions of dollars a year to pretend to not hate Israel. Same as the Jordanians, although I don't think they get billions, but they get hundreds of millions of dollars a year in aid as well. Never mind that it's the Palestinians who are the victims of America in Palestine. The prisoners of the Gaza Strip concentration camp and uh, the occupied colonized West Bank under military permanent, not even martial law, but outright occupation war law, as described by Todd Pierce on this show not long ago, late last year. But anyway, so that was his lie about Egypt. Um... Then he says he wants to threaten economic war with China unless they force North Korea to, you know, follow whatever. Not, hey, we got to sit down and negotiate, but yeah, I'm going to tell them Chinese and they're going to do what I say because we have all this economic leverage over them. And he's basically pretending that China just owns North Korea outright. And they'll do absolutely whatever they're told uh, after we tell the Chinese to do what we say. Oh, they're going to bow down before dear leader Trump, no doubt. That's the Chinese that like bowing all the time, right? Okay, yeah, no problem. Um, then uh, again, yeah, he said uh, he attacked the Libya war in 2011, but then he says that we should invade them right now. We should blockade them. We should bomb the oil. We should knock the hell out of ISIS there. And he goes on and on about how weak the intelligence is. And that's why 9-11 happened is because the intelligence is just so weak. So he's going to do everything that he can in order to uh, strengthen the CIA, NSA, etc., etc. More money for them. High fives all around in the suburbs of D.C. today. Uh, then again, he said, yeah, reinvade Iraq, whole new generation of nukes, rebuild the army. Oh, Obama. Yeah, he signs, you know, six and seven and eight hundred billion dollar Pentagon budgets and uh, wages war across the planet. But no, nah, whatever. Let's all just pretend that he's, uh, I don't know what, Jimmy Carter of your imagination, not the Jimmy Carter of reality, but the Jimmy Carter of your imagination who abolished the military and. Made America a woman again, or whatever. Um, no, he's going to rebuild the military, and it's going to be big and strong, and all the Navy shipbuilder uh, companies can rest assured and and uh, not worry about him. He's going to be there for them. And then, uh, this is where I stopped taking notes. I forgot what else he said uh, other than, you know, he really, I think, yeah, pretty much condemned the new Cold War with Russia and said it does not have to be that way. And, you know, 
The Horton Law, as Dan Sanchez calls it, is that you can believe nothing good a politician says, uh, no good promises they make, uh, but take all the bad ones to the bank. And, yeah, well, I did make that up, uh, I guess. Can't be that original. I'm sure others have as well, but anyway. Um, but, I, yeah, I kind of think that Trump really doesn't want to have a problem with the Russians. And... I like that. Uh, I do hope that in the in the general election, he paints Hillary's stance as bought and paid for by the airplane lobby, which is pretty easy. You know, she's just real low hanging fruit here. I got to say, the Democrat rank and file voters this time, and there is a big split. A lot of them are voting for for Sanders. I admit that, you know, um, but the people who are turning out for Hillary Clinton have got to be the most idiotic people. I mean, I guess if they really thought that, well, I don't care if she is the most electable candidate, I just think she's so great that, and that Sanders is so terrible, blah, 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 then it's a matter of high principle, then I guess you're an idiot, but still that makes sense in a way or whatever, right? But everything that Sanders is horrible on, she's worse. Right? Even the F-35, his pet project, she's at least as bad. And on each and every one of the wars, she's absolutely worse than them. And all about it. And uh so anyway, point being that, you know, Sanders is absolutely right when he says in his speeches, and the polls say, he's far more electable in the general election than her. Um, too many people just hate her guts. And isn't that interesting, too? The guy that's further to the left is more acceptable to the swing voters and the and uh, the so-called moderates and whatever, according to the polls. It's just because of her character. You know, he might seem like more of a winger, but at least he's not crooked Hillary, you know? And boy, is that going to stick. But never even mind that. The point is, the Democratic rank and file have blown it. By lining up to support Hillary Clinton. Oh, gee, yeah, I think it's time for a woman and all of this. And they're nominating, and maybe they're just too lazy to actually look at her real record as Secretary of State and all this kind of thing, you know? What, do you need a PhD to be interested enough to see who she killed in her life? But they're nominating someone, apparently, it's not absolutely too late, but pretty damn much. They're nominating someone who uh, has her entire left flank wide open for destruction in the general election. And Trump will already have the entire right sewn up. And he, ba- he basically is already free to move as far to the left as he wants. And the anybody but Hillary cl- uh, crowd on the right, they're going to be solid. I mean, the neocons won't be, but everybody else will be. And Trump, you know, I don't know, he's a loud mouth enough that he may, you know, he may say something stupid enough to really sabotage and sink himself. I don't think he has yet, but he really could. I mean, that is the the real big variable in this is that he's such a loud mouth that he he could blow it up. But if he's smart at all and indications are today that he, you know, uh, he sees his opening, he's already beginning to take it to attack her as her first instinct is aggression, war, and aggression. Oh yeah, she's she's real muscular, folks. 
She's going to get your son killed, believe me. That's his line if he'll take it. That's his line if he'll use it. And the Democrat voters of America are nominating someone. I mean, how blind do you have to be to see that since he wasn't a senator at the time, he wasn't in power at the time, he has this huge advantage over her. Everything wrong. She's been on the wrong side of everything that's happened through the last two administrations. And where Sanders' uh, hands were tied by the fact that he couldn't really denounce her uh, term as Secretary of State too bad without denouncing Obama, too, for implementing her advice. Trump isn't bound by that at all. He has already proven he has no loyalty to the Bush regime in that era of Republican politics whatsoever. He is completely unbound to attack her from the left on foreign policy all he wants. And along with his, I'm a big six and a half foot tall tough guy who wants to really beef up the military and the army. And, oh, we're going to add new divisions and we're going to do all this tough guy stuff except fight, mostly. I'm going to knock the hell out of ISIS. But that's it. That's more or less his line. But look what she wants to do, folks. She's totally unpredictable. Who knows how many wars she'd get us in in four years or even eight years in power, God forbid. She's going to get your son killed. (laughs) Trust me. Believe me. (laughs) Right? I built a great company. She's going to get your son killed. If that's what you want, then by all means, vote for the woman who's going to get your your own flesh and blood dead. (laughs) You know? Anyway, that's my hope. I hate him. And he will be horrible. And you know what really pisses me off is I saw um, Ali Abunama from Electronic Intifada, who I don't know everything about that guy. I don't read, you know, every day or whatever. But I respect him and the and the writing that those guys do over there. And I saw a young lady who I don't know if she's an activist or, you know, a journalist or she's just some lady. You know, it's Twitter. So you never know exactly who everybody is or what. But he was saying, oh, man. Boy, is this going to be like a really Islamophobic uh, campaign because Obama, oh, that uh, uh, Trump, that was one of his things that he said. That's in my notes, but I didn't see it. Where is it? It's right there. Oh, radical Islam. Oh, Hillary won't even say radical Islam. Radical Islam. Sounds just like Ted Cruz on that stupid shit and uh, stuff, the stupid stuff. And... Um, so I saw this young lady said to Ali Abunama, I'm really scared. Oh, and he had also said, and of course Hillary's going to only pile on, right? She's not going to, you know, differentiate herself too much. She wants you to hate and fear Muslims too. But really pisses me off that, you know, basically politically weak and powerless people got to feel afraid even though, I mean, nothing's really going to happen to him. You know, I don't know. It's not really a justified fear. But then again, easy for me to say, I guess. Um, But yeah, it uh, that's pretty horrible. And it's, you know, absolutely his responsibility. Radical Islam. That is so stupid. Meanwhile, the 9-11 hijackers spent the week before their mass suicide attack 
sniffing coke and banging whores and hanging out at the strip club. Oh, it's because they were so devout and they believed in Mohammed so big that they weren't worried about what he was going to say when they died in a couple of days, right? Yeah, they were so religious. Oh, except they weren't. I mean, they were nominally religious, but yeah. That wasn't their motive. Never was their motive. But anyway, so yeah, there you go. Donald Trump, scumbag, running for president. I'll never support him. I don't want anyone to think that anything I say ever amounts to support for him. But I will say that, at least for now, she's worse. On the other hand, Sanders, I think, is much less worse than either of them. And he's horrible. He's absolutely horrible. On Afghanistan, on the whole drone war on the war with the Islamic State, even on regime change in, in Damascus. But he, uh, I don't think he really believes in that stuff that much. I think as president, and also, you know, sort of like only Nixon can go to China, I think it would be really fun to watch America's first Jewish president tell the Prime Minister of Israel to go to hell. Hey, what's he going to do? Call me an anti-Semite. <laughs> you know what I mean? That could be fun. Um... Uh, but anyway, um, and he's horrible. And he's a, he's actually like really a communist. I mean, I'm not saying all his policies are, but in his heart he is. If you go back and look at his history from the 70s or whatever, like he's a real ass red. He's horrible, horrible. But I'm just saying in terms of worseness, Trump's worse than him. And Hillary, I think, is far worse than either of them. Hillary, I think, is worse than the worseness of the two of them combined perhaps even multiplied by each other. I saw a meme on Twitter that had a picture of a Vietnam-era, you know, soldier on it. Say, said, hey, Hillary, remember this? The last war you opposed? I'm not even certain that's true. Is anyone even certain that that's a fact, that she opposed Vietnam? She was for Goldwater in 64. Sure she wasn't calling for total victory? Like Donald Trump now. Gotta win, folks. We're gonna win. There's gonna be lots of winning. Winning and winning and winning and winning. Alright. So let me think if I can uh, think of anything interesting else to say that you guys probably want to hear, maybe. I guess I'll let you know that I am pretty much done with the first draft. Well, I mean, not the first draft. The first draft. Well, I'm pretty much ready to finish for now writing on chapter one and get to work on something else. Chapter two, I guess. So the book is making progress. I'm sorry that I canceled the live show, and I'm sorry that the quantity of interviews has slacked off a little bit, but not the quality, right? You guys like the the interviews? Um, I'll try my very best to get uh, more good guests on for you here. But anyway, I am hard at work on the book. If you want to help support that effort, well, I guess I'll tell you. I have no book deal yet. So I have no advance, never mind a good advance from a good publisher. I got, I'm just doing this anyway. I'm trying to go ahead and get it knocked out. But for what it's worth, I've written, <laughs> you guys will like this, I've written a 15,000-word chapter one. 
So if you're disappointed when you go, chapter one, you've written chapter one. Well, I've written the introduction already, too. But my chapter one is 15,000 words. So my real task there is going back and deleting stuff that I really want to be in it. Because that's probably pushing it. I can't imagine the other chapters are going to be that long. You know, at least so far, the rough outlines I've written up and the outlines I have in my head of the chapters going forward, I very much doubt are going to require this much. Um, but chapter one is just uh, trying to get the background out of the way, you know? Whatever. Anyway. So, I'm Scott. That's what amounts to a radio show for now. Uh, I hope you guys will uh, join me in hating all politicians and wanting them to fail all worse than each other, as best as you can. Uh, anything else I should bring up here? Guess not. All right. Thanks, y'all. Uh, sign up, especially for the interview podcast feed at scotthorton.org. Oh, uh, also, um, I should have mentioned, if you want, check out the, the full archive. There's a pull-down menu there where it says all interviews, click there. There's the 4,150-something, 60-something interviews that I have. Some are missing. But that's that's everything I got for now. Um, uh, dating back to 2003. April 2003. I actually forgot the anniversary was last week, I guess, something like that. But anyway, uh, it's been right around 13 years of doing the interview show. So there you go. Happy anniversary to me. All right. Thanks, y'all. See ya.